Welcome to the world's self-proclaimed most entertaining pinball podcast on the planet. I'm your host, Canada. We are not going to talk for two hours. We are not going to do interview after interview after interview. We are going to give you pinball entertainment in podcast form. On this episode, we're going to get right to it. Um, a few news items. I want to read some of your mail. Um, I got a new message from my master. We haven't heard from this guy in a while. But he sent me an email, and I want to read what he says about pinball. He's always like a little down and out about the hobby, but it's not me, I assure you. It is someone that I know um, who I do respect their opinion, and I have to listen to them because they're my master, right? Um, let's talk first about a post that was really interesting. It was by Iceman, and it was basically asking the question, are there too many new in-box games coming out in the market? And we we did a countdown a few podcasts ago where we actually listed out all the new in-box pinball machines that are arriving, and it's a lot. And I think something that happens in this hobby all the time, and I, I, I don't quite get why we do it all the time, and you can't help but think about this. There's always this desire to try and make proclamations that the pinball market, that the bubble is going to burst, that eventually that all of these games will inundate the hobby, and one day we're going to wake up and every single game on planet Earth is going to lose value and there is just going to be a run to the bank as people try to cash out and sell their games. But then games are going to be hard to sell because there's going to be so many of them out there. Um, so what, what do we think about this? You know, look, I've said it before. The first thing I think we all need to do who are in this hobby is ask ourselves one fundamental question. Why do we really care? Why do we care to try and predict the end of this bull pinball market that we've been in, right? We all know that pinball has a good 10 to 15 years left, and that's probably it, ladies and gentlemen. The fat lady will sing on this hobby, all right? Do you walk into most people's homes and find record players? I know vinyl's having a comeback, but still, it's not going to have a future with young kids. There might be a handful of people out there who are into these uh, old, archaic toys, but ultimately, pinball will see a demise. But I do not see that happening anytime soon. But why do we care so much? Why do we care? Well, you could say, Canada, that people care because if you've invested a lot in pinball machines and you've bought a lot of new in-box games, you are trying to maybe, maybe salvage the value of them if you are someone that deals with games, right? So if you're someone who buys a game, you play it, and then you sell it, um, it's been really good to be in this hobby for you for the last like five to 10 years because you've been able for the most part, to buy new in-box pinball machines, play them to your heart's delight, and sell them without losing much money, right? And by that, I mean the most amount of money people usually take a hit on is maybe $1,000 after a year or two of play, maybe 500 bucks if the game within a year. Um, and, and there's been a lot of people in this hobby who made money on pinball machines, who made a lot of money on pinball machines. If you started collecting pinball machines, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you were gobbling up some of the most popular titles for just a couple thousand dollars. And you were around when those titles started selling for 
upwards of ten to twelve thousand dollars, depending on the title. We all witnessed Tron Limited Edition uh, selling for double, almost triple what it was originally. I remember seeing Tron LEs when I got into this hobby. If you had a Tron LE new in box, people were paying twelve to fifteen thousand dollars for one. You know, so there's a little bit of insanity in how much we were we were clamoring to get titles. Now, when Tron LE came out, there were no alternatives. You know, we didn't have the amount of companies making pinball machines, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we have competition. So I think for the most part, you know, the the constant speculation around when is the bubble going to burst, it's been something I've been hearing for four plus years since I've been in the hobby, and I think we'll hear it forever. Uh, but nobody knows for sure. And that is why when people come on and they try to make bold claims and, and, and sort of predict when it's going to happen, uh, nobody knows. Nobody knows. You know, every time people will say, well, if the stock market goes down and the economy takes a dip, then pinball's all going to collapse. But we saw in 2008 when that occurred, uh, the pinball market pretty much survived that and didn't go through, uh, you know, sort of like a mass exodus or any bubble bursting. Uh, why do I think that's the case? I, I think primarily, I think people who buy pinball machines are pretty well off financially. If you're collecting uh, pinball games and you buy five to $15,000 toys like this that are completely unnecessary, completely unnecessary, like nobody needs a pinball machine. All right, people need cars, people need homes, people need clothes, but nobody needs a pinball machine. Um, so it is sort of at the very, very top of unnecessary sort of luxury perk item that you can buy. It's a toy that you don't need. Um, and so I think for the most part, the people around the world who buy these things are well off financially. Okay, and those people usually manage their money pretty wisely and they plan for market fluctuations, right? If you have a financial advisor, they will tell you, you don't run for the hills if the stock market goes down and you don't like, you know, throw everything into high risk. Like you have, you have someone who's managing your money smartly. And, there, and, and, and when it dips, it's okay. And when it goes up, it's okay. You don't, you don't sell all your stocks when it goes up, stay in it for the long run. So I think a lot of people are probably uh, you know, managing their money to the point where they can go buy pinball machines with excess cash, right? There's not a financial advisor in the world who will tell you the place you should sink your pinball machines, uh, or sorry, your money is into a pinball machine. Now, for the most part, we've also, all of us out there, we've experienced... Um, some very good resale values of all these games. I mean, it's it's there's hardly any other hobby like it. I could go into Gucci tomorrow and buy a $5,000 blazer easily. I, I know this sounds obnoxious. I did not make Gucci. I don't set the prices at Gucci. I could buy a $5,000 Gucci blazer tomorrow. Immediately, the second it's on my back, I would struggle even to get like 3,500 bucks for it. All right, struggle. And a year from then, I would probably only be able to get a, like $800 for it, you know, and if that, right, if that, ever try to sell old clothes like nobody wants it. It's like selling an old expensive mattress, okay? But pinball's been good to us. Now, when will that come to an end? And I think we're starting to see the market soften on used titles. I, you know, I think there is no greater threat 
that is an indication of this, then Zach Many's Deadpool pinball machine for sale for $5,100. And, and, and we, we're, we're seeing this game. Nobody, nobody wants to buy it. And he's going to take a big hit on it. And I think Zach is like learning a lesson too here, right? It's like he's buying these games to do reviews and, you know, and now it's costing him hundreds of dollars and he's got to be asking himself, like, maybe I should stop doing this. You know, it's it, it, this one's biting him. It doesn't always bite him, but this one's biting him. I'm going to talk a little bit about something else going on in that thread in a while. But for the most part, for the most part, I think here is what's going to happen, right? And I don't know when this is going to happen, and I don't know, like, if this will even happen. But here's what I think will happen. This is Canada guessing at what will happen in the pinball market. Let's just say over the next couple of years, okay? I think over the next couple of years, there are going to be um, a lot of new pinball out there. All right, there's going to be a lot of new pinball companies, a lot of new pinball games. I think we're going to see um, a real um, winners and losers scenario where I still think Stern will, of course, dominate. I do think that we are going to see some of the companies we have currently go away. I, I don't think they're going to be able to survive, even though there are a lot of new pinball buyers. I still think Stern is going to capture 90%, if not more, of those new buyers. I just do. Because Stern has the distribution, the sales force, they have the themes people want, and they get people games quickly. All right, I just think it's going to be really hard for people to come at them with these delays, with themes that aren't necessarily, you know, making your fucking hair stand up. I, I think it's going to be hard. Um, I, I, I think that the most interesting company in the next two years to watch is going to be Deep Root. And, and I know you guys are all looking forward to seeing what they show at TPF. Um, but I think we're going to see too many games out in the market. I do. I think you're going to see games that uh, that would have got somewhere around the ballpark of 500 to 1,000 games sold. If there's so many options, I think those games are going to struggle to sell like 250, 300. You know, how many Houdinis did they sell in total? Did they sell 1,000? Did they sell 700? How many were actually sold? How many were sold through to distributors? You know, if Stern makes... 10,000 games a year, 20,000 games a year. That's a lot of pinball games. Like they're out there. Like these physical things are out there. They weigh 300 plus pounds. They need to be moved. They break down. They need to be serviced. You know, it's a lot of pinball in the world. And it's great. It's exciting. But it will dip. And people will, I think, I think just start to adapt adapt the way they buy new in box. And by that, I mean, with so many options, I think people, it's weird. When you have more options, people become pickier. People actually, I think, will start to wait more than just jumping in. When there's only one option, you buy it, right? When Stern just kept cranking out their games, you just kept buying it. Now, if, if people can just get games in boxes, I think they will, um, they will attract people. But the games have to be great. They have to be themes people want. Um, you know. But now that there are so many options, I think the smart buyer, and this is me now, the smart buyer sits on the sideline and waits. 
like maybe says to himself, I'm going to consider buying a pinball machine maybe every six months. Because in that time period, I'll at least see two new options from Stern. I will at least probably get the Jersey Jack pin shipping that he promised two years ago. I will probably see something new from another manufacturer. Um, there will probably be something new from Chicago Gaming. You know what I'm saying? Within a fiscal year, you'll definitely see four to five to six new options in which to spend your money. So I think the wise bet is just to wait. Um, the thing is this, you can't just always wait. You know, if you always just keep waiting, you'll always find yourself wondering what's around the corner. And there's always going to be a lot around the corner. Eventually, you just have to go and, and take the plunge and pick a game. Now, I also think we're in a climate now where when people go in and pick a game, they're going to have to make sure that this is a game that you want to own. Like own for a while, for a long time, right? Not a game that you can buy and then get rid of because you probably will start losing more like $2,000 on a pin. I mean, we are going to start to see pro machines that were 5,500 bucks. I think pro machines are going to really start sliding fast into being around like 4,000, 4,500. You know, I saw someone offered, uh, they offered Zach $4,100 for his Deadpool. And everyone's like, that's a fucking joke. What an idiot. What an asshole. Like, did you laugh in his face? I don't think, I don't think um, that person is like worlds off. I do think a Deadpool Pro, even with low plays, you're looking at like mid to high $4,000 range. How do I know this? Because it hasn't sold at $5,100. Nobody wants to put up with the hassle unless they're local and they can go drive and get it. But again, you have to then like Deadpool, want a pro, be close to them, you know, want all those mods in the game, want, you know, it's like all these variables, it just keeps shrinking your potential buyer base. Now, this is where we're at. And I think it's good. I think it's good that two things are going to have to happen in this hobby. I think you're going to have to get games to be great that make people say, I want to own this and keep it. I'm no longer buying pinball with the certainty that I could flip it and still save most of my money. Okay, that's good that the buyer is starting to think that way because, um, you know, if the buyer is thinking that way, then the pinball manufacturer needs to start thinking, I need to make games great enough that people want to own. I also need to make games great enough uh, so that I stand out. That in, in a world of 22 new inbox games, um, I need to make sure that my game is the game that people want. All right, so it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, this question will never cease to, to be raised on Pinside and, and across you know, people's game rooms and at expos and different shows. We will always wonder when the bubble will burst, uh, but chances are it will not. All right, let me talk about something else on this podcast because there's not tons of news going on in the world. I have an update. I heard that Oktoberfest is going to be shown at expo and will ship to customers by the end of the year. So that is exciting if that holds true. Um, I look forward to talking to their sales and marketing person. I want to talk to him after Expo, which is coming up soon. Um, so that is exciting if they are ready to produce this game. It's also kind of nerve-wracking, right? Because when you show a game and you show it at Expo, they're not going to have time to really make any tweaks or adjustments. And I find it a little bit hard to believe that the game is going to be ready to ship that soon. And here's why I find that hard to believe. It's because Josh Kugler was on Pinside just a few weeks ago 
asking people for suggestions on the game. So how can they, you know, how far along is this game if they're still going to try and incorporate people's suggestions or maybe that was just all like PR and he just wanted to get hype going. I don't know. But I'll say this. Oktoberfest, Davel, Joe, you know, Josh, don't reveal the game if you can't ship this game to customers within two months. I'm sorry. You just shouldn't do it. Wait. Just wait. All right. All right. Let's go on. Speaking of like new games and shipping games, um, I just want to say that it is absolutely impossible to get objective, unbiased reviews of any new games anymore. It, it is like unbelievable. People open up their Pirates of the Caribbean and it's the greatest goddamn machine ever. I'm having so much fun. Nobody plays my other games. We hear that all the time. With like, We're hearing it with Deadpool right now. How annoying is it when people are like, I just opened up Deadpool. It's amazing. Greatest game ever. My other game gets no attention. Nobody's playing Iron Maiden anymore because of Deadpool. Okay, let me let me like take the wind out of like the honeymoon sails of a new inbox experience if you think Deadpool shoots better than Iron Maiden I think you should just take a stick of TNT put it in your butt and light the fuse okay sky high blow yourself sky high because it is like Absolutely. I think it's just, I think, I, I know that designs and, and games are, are subjective, but I think it's as good of a fact, a fact that Iron Maiden is better than Deadpool. Okay. Now, look, I know what you're going to say. Deadpool's more fun. This and that. Nope. Nope. Iron Maiden's more fun too. Iron Maiden shoots better. Iron Maiden's got better coat. Iron Maiden's a better game. That's it. That's it. Nothing else to say. You know why I know that? I think people know it too. Iron Maiden, LE, sold out. Sold out in one day. Deadpool, LE, still for sale. Why is that? Better game, people. All right? All right. Let's go on. Let's talk about the fact that Jersey Jack is finally calling up customers and telling them that their Pirates of the Caribbean is arriving soon. And I have no, I have no complaints. This is how it's supposed to be, Jack. You're supposed to do your fucking cartwheel when the games are shipping to customers. Not when you send 10 games to distributors and then customers have to wait another three months, okay? So do another fucking cartwheel. And this time, Jack, this time, because the games are going to customers, fucking stick the cartwheel. You, you, you were flopping around like a fish out of water the other one. Nail the fucking cartwheel, all right? All right, go to the gym. Learn how to do a cartwheel, right? Um, but that's good news. It's good news. It's good news because I want to know what people really think of this game and not the owner's. I want to get people who haven't bought one to jump on one and tell me what they think. That's what I want to see, all right, because you know how I feel. All right, what else is going on? All right, the last thing I want to talk about on this before I air a message from my master is I want to talk about pin stadium lights because the the Deadpool first sale thread by Zach turned into all of this back and forth about pin stadium lights and how those aren't good mods and I would yank them out of the game if I bought this Deadpool. And a lot of this came from, you know, the biggest moron on planet Earth, um, Hilton over there in Wisconsin, who always has to chime in and complain about people. And, and I love that he accuses people of being shills when, again, we have to remind you, if you're new to this show, Hilton is a pin side member who shilled for two games 
He guaranteed people that games were great. He guaranteed for people they were going to get their games. And he actually kept people, um, he kept people's money locked into those games because of all of the different times he shilled for those manufacturers and convinced people the games were really happening. And that was alien. But even more despicable is how he convinced everyone that Predator was going to happen and Kevin was honest and Kevin had the license. So ironically, this moron is now accusing Zach of shilling for Penn Stadium because Penn Stadium sponsors uh, Zach and Greg's show. Now, let me just say something right now about Penn Stadium. I have them in my Batman 66. Penn Stadium, I'm not paid by them. I don't really know the guys. I did not get given, they did not give Canada Penn Stadium lights when I ordered them ahead of everybody else because I have a podcast that would shill for them. I was at the back of the line like everybody else. I waited a few months. These things arrived. Um, I installed them in 10 minutes. There's an app for your phone. I turned it on and it changed the game. It made this game come alive. It finally created the, the world that I know Franchi wanted, the colors are gorgeous, they pop, all the artwork pops. You know, if you think that modern Sterns and modern pinball games uh, have good lighting, you're out of your mind, okay? They don't. I went to modern pinball. I played Deadpool, in a, in, not even in a dark game room. And the first thing I thought was, I can't see the play field well. It was dark. And what that does is it... it, it, it lowers the enjoyment of the game you know I don't understand and it's not the same as spotlights you will never get as much coverage and as you will with Penn Stadium I get the complaints that you have to take them off when you raise the play field but that is like the dumbest complaint it is so easy to just undo them and raise the play field all right anyone who's raising play fields uh, knows what they're doing around a pinball machine, okay? So I just want to say that I think this is one of the greatest mods you can get. I do understand that on some games, they look weird because like the ramps are too close to them and, and it creates this like zebra effect of, it's like yellow and purple like throughout the whole game. Now you don't want to put them on every game, but you can also change the lighting to be white. So it's not going to give you that effect. But I'll just say, Hilton, just shut up. You find everything to complain about. The guy's trying to sell a pinball game and you jump into his thread and piss all over the mods he's including in the game. Like, do you like do, do yourself a favor? Like, give yourself a hand job. We all know you're not getting any action. Do you really wake up and see a thread like that and feel compelled to to just basically give us your diarrhea of the mouth every time. It's like it's like you have to take the dumbest contrarian point of view on every single topic. And that's why, my friend, that's why you don't have a smartphone and you drive a piece of shit Subaru. All right, people, let's end this podcast with a word from my master. Um, again, this gentleman hasn't emailed me in months, but I, ha I felt compelled to give my master some airtime. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you everyone who has donated to the Patreon page. And this will always be your weekly dose for entertaining non-two-hour podcasts. We know what we need. We need a three-hour podcast. We're going to do it. I'm going to do it, all right? Everyone, my master. Connect.
I see you still have your precious little podcast, but still you learn nothing. This pinball market is a fucking wet dream. Anybody who announces something gets full billing and instant exposure. No real marketing needed, Canada. Just go to TPF or Expo, announce your game with zero development and you can get a lecture hall just like that. In most hobbies, Canada, the pie is divided up between about 20 forums and even more magazines. To get your venture exposure, it would be very expensive to break through and become a household name. The Pinball Market Canada, one forum and you're done. Announce your game on Pinside and you are a player overnight. Look at Charlie Emery, the guy with the fedora and the bowling shirt, self-appointed himself as part of the pinball royalty with one game. Boom, Canada. Spooky Pinball was a real company overnight and the game sucked so badly that nobody bought one when it was released and yet the market still patted him on the back and continues to do so. Nobody needs to go to Expo or any show, Canada. Pinside is instant coverage, instant fame. To think a new game will be famous in the market the second you announce it on your podcast is ridiculous. But it's true. A pinside thread will be started about a new game in 10 minutes right after your show announces it. I don't have to do anything else if I was making a new machine. I would just have to tell you about it. And that is why this market has suffered too many calamities. It 
pulls in the egomaniacs like a moth to the flame. Kevin Kulik Canada announces Predator with licensing secured. Produced a shitty layout with shitty artwork and was made to look like the pinball's second coming. It is unreal when you really think back on it. Go back again and look at the layout and artwork. It's a total joke. J-Pop sold out of his games without personally posting anywhere. He told one friend and then they were sold out. You and I, Canada, we watched Andrew Highway launch Alien at Expo without so much as an idea of a Whitewood. He had nothing, yet there he was, fielding questions like he was some captain of industry. Do you hear me, Canada? Pinball Circus is being made. Why? Well, they announced it. Of course, when you announce intentions of making a pinball machine, you are instantly validated. No need, Canada, to even produce a picture of a game, some artwork, or like a picture of a piece of wood that you cut on a saw. You need nothing. Just announce it and then go to Expo. Don't worry about timelines. Take seven years if you want. Cough, Jerry, cough. But the best part, Canada, is that if you aren't stern, you don't ever get any criticism. You are constantly missing deadlines, lose money, break promises, and raise prices, and you will be protected from any anger because people will tell you blindly, Support new pinball. Please don't bother being rational or price products versus cost and timelines. That Canada would not be supporting new pinball. If you manage to get a game to market, your game will receive zero negative opinions. You can just coast right in. In fact, when you start selling out 
from under your original investors to bring in new money like every company does every time. You will have people telling your first customers that this is better than nothing. There really is no end to the insanity and frolic he will be waiting for you with thumbs in the air and his checkbook out. We're all so used to the stupidity. We expect every company to fuck everything up. Even JJP. They are not held to the same standards as Stern. Pirates of the Caribbean is still not released. The owner made a fake video and lied to his customer's face. What? It doesn't matter if that is the exact game. Newsflash. If the owner of a huge pinball company makes a personal video Canada for you saying he is standing next to your actual game and is lying about it, then he is a fuck up. To make such a specific video and manage to lie to that customer is beyond appalling. But I assure you, everybody is protecting Jack. When people drop $4,000 extra on different LE art stickers for the same pinball machine, you gotta wave the white flag. Whoever is buying that is beyond your help, Canada. And yet, compared to everybody else, Stern looks like fucking Apple. Product after product with license after license. I have just never seen so many companies take people's money with such pathetic business plans. Combine that with so many companies who do make a game who can't manage to create anything that blows the market away. Jack secured a blank check for Pat Lawler and ends up with dialed in. Pat fucking Lawler, Canada, carte blanche. And now we are all stuck with dialed fucking in. What 
the fuck shit is that? Compared to dialed in. Twilight. Compare dialed in to Twilight Zone. And think what a joke that is. Dialed in is the missed opportunity of all missed opportunities in this hobby. Pat and Jack let us all down. If Pat's game was as amazing as it should have been, he would have sold 5,000 of them. Instead, people will just buy Monster Bash and Attack from Mars from Chicago Gaming. 20-year-old games still dominate the market and people wonder why. This has been a lesson, Canada, from your master.